This is my Bible. I'm what says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Just, I got to go sit All right, I will be reading Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all, these, of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, Lucy. You may be seated. Praise God. I thank God for the privilege of standing here uh, before you today. Uh, if you're in the first service, um, and Ryan did an awesome job, um, praise God. And, and I tell you, I was sitting there beside my wife, and I was saying, but he's preaching my sermon. <laughs> so, uh, and then afterwards, um, I was standing with uh, over there, and David came by, um, and uh, he, we were talking, and I was saying, "Moy, David, I'll tell you, Ryan just finished preaching my sermon, and I have no—I don't know what I need to preach." So we're there, and he was encouraging me, and um, you know, just uh, really encouraging me. And I, and out of my mouth came, uh, "Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord," you know. And then uh, I remembered uh, Joshua, and I, I, I was talking to him about that, saying, "You know what? I remember Joshua. 
you know, Joshua called Israel together one day. And he, he brought a big stone. They brought a big stone there. And uh, Joshua said, this stone is going to be a witness between you, Israel, and me. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. So I, you know, so I said, hey, David, listen, that's a sermon right there. <laughs> you know, God is faithful. Um, but praise God. I thank uh, Pastor Mark um, for the privilege of uh, sharing uh, today. And um, I thank you for being here. <laughs> praise God. Um, God is good. Um, today, while we are here gathered uh, in church, you know, and having the freedoms of worship, uh, there's a pastor up in Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada, who is in prison only because he opened up his church for people to come to worship like we are doing today. His name is uh, Pastor Coates, and I just ask that we, continue, we lift him up in prayer. Um, I don't think they're even feeding him. Uh, his wife says he's hungry because they want to send a message so that no other pastor will try to open up and, as they say, disobey their law. But church, this is where we're heading. We're heading into a situation where the church is going to be persecuted. We're going to be persecuted for righteousness sake, Jesus said. But he says to be of good courage. Because he has overcome the world, we also will overcome the world. But they will persecute us for righteousness sake. And so then what manner of people ought we to be? If we are going to end up being persecuted, if we're going to end up being challenged, if the church is going to end up undergoing great struggle, which is we can see the stage being set for it right here in the U.S., what manner of people ought we to be? How, how should we be as the people of God? If we say we are the people of God, we have been born again. We have been washed in the blood of Christ. What kind of people are we to be? When we go to work, to our jobs, what kind of people are we at work? When, they, when you come in, who do they see? Do they see a phony person? Or do they see someone who's genuine, has character, someone who can be called upon? At any time. Does anybody ever ask you to pray for them? Who are you when you are at church? Listen, church, we can't have it both ways. Who are you when you're at home? Now, I don't know because I'm not at home with you. But what will your kids really say about your parents? What kind of parents do they think you are? How do you behave when you're with them? Young adults. How about you? How is it with you? Who would your peers say you are? If they were to give a testimony about you, would they say, wow, this person really loves God. They're genuine. I can trust them. They have integrity. Or would they say phony? Church, we can't have it both ways. I can't confess and profess Christ and at the same time, be in the world and doing worldly things, doing things that displease Christ, 
It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work both ways. It can only be one way. Is his way or my way? So which way is it going to be for us as a church? The Apostle Paul, uh, this is a very deep passage, not a very, uh, not a simple passage. It's a very deep passage uh, 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 Lucy just read for us. Colossians chapter 3. It, it is very serious because you, you can see from the very beginning what the Apostle Paul says. Since the first verse, since then you have been raised. Since then. That means something has transpired before this point. And we'll get to that. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Raised. Why are we raised with Christ? If we are raised, if, if he is implying that we have been raised with Christ, then he's also implying that we died with Christ. And so he says, set your hearts, because you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he continues, set your minds on things above. Ryan spoke about the mind this morning and the thoughts that we have to deal with. He dealt with 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 1 through 5. And taking into captivity the Lord's, the Apostle Paul says, when he comes to the Corinthian church, they must understand that he has the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can take our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We don't have to allow all kinds of thoughts to control us, our actions, because that's what happens. They form in our minds, and then if we don't deal with them there, they control our actions. So we need to set our minds. So we need a mind shift. We need a paradigm shift. We need to shift our minds from just the basic, elemental things of the world, just the mundane things that we think about. We can shoot the breeze. Yeah, we can, you know, we can talk about a lot of stuff all the time. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize who we are. We are not just ordinary people. We are extraordinary people. We are, we are we're people who have been changed. We are people who have been washed in the blood of Christ. We are therefore, we are not even our own, the Bible tells us. We have been bought with a price, as with the precious blood of the Lamb. I don't belong to myself anymore. When I profess Christ, I no longer belong. I, I, I give up my ownership to my own life. And that's the same for all of us who profess Christ. So I can't go on living how I please. I can't have it my way and his way. Because it's either it's going to be his way or the highway. The highway is the way I'm going to take, right? If I choose to live my way. As Frank Sinatra sings that song a long time ago, for those of you who are older, you know, I did it my way. So the question is, are we doing, living life our way, or are we making the choice as believers in Christ, born again, blood wash, to do it Christ's way? That's a challenge, church. I'm not kidding you. It's not easy. Because as I was preparing uh, this week, and trying to get my heart and my mind in the right place for a sermon. And I thought, I had a busy week at work. And I'm thinking, God, how am I going to do this? And I kid you not, that the enemy began to plague my mind. He began to attack my mind with fear. And says, you can't do it. You haven't been preaching as you used to in the past. You can't do it. It's been a long time. So he's telling me all of this. Speaking all of this into my mind. You can't do it. You don't have enough time to prepare. You're not going to be able to, 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 to preach. And that's the truth. And then I had to realize that it was an attack from the enemy. 
So I had to do what Jesus did. Get thee behind me, Satan. You've got no power nor authority over me. I don't belong to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this book of Colossians is a very, very powerful book for believers. You start from chapter 1. You see what the Apostle Paul has is dealing with there. He gives a resume of Christ and what Jesus, who he is, what he did for us, and the fact that Jesus, that God, our Heavenly Father, for those who love the Lord Jesus, has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness of the devil and brought us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Christ, his son whom he loves, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Listen to me, church. This is power. We want power. We talk about power. That's power. Power is going down when Jesus went down into Satan's kingdom and say, uh-uh, I'm taking them out. My blood has been shed to redeem them, to buy them from you. They belong to me. They no longer belong to you. Brings us out of that darkness, that abyss that Satan rules and reigns in and brings us into the kingdom of light, his kingdom. And we are to shine as lights because we're no longer in darkness. Question is, are we shining as lights? Is the light of Christ permeating our lives and radiating out of us to others? When people see you, when they encounter you, whether in the store or wherever they encounter you, as you're driving on the highway, somebody cut you off, what do they see? Well, that's a good point because <laughs> a couple of weeks ago I was driving on 285 going to work. And I was cruising, I was singing, I was telling you, I was high. I was, the Lord was just, I just songs, song after song, and I was singing. And I got on 285, uh, I-20, and I get on. And as soon as I straighten up, a guy with an SUV just went, oop, and he cut me off like that. And I had to pull, pull away. I'm pulling away, and, and, and through the side of my eye here, the right side, there's a cruiser right next to me. And I'm like, this guy's crazy. I'm going to a police officer, right? He's right there. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, all right. And I had to hold back the hand. Praise God. <laughs> you know, and I, have to, I had to go back to remembering that I've been sanctified. Hallelujah. I've been washed. I can't behave like that, you know. But that's what the enemy does, right? That's how he gets at us. He's always, he's an opportunist, right? He's waiting for opportunity to, 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 to cause us to, 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 uh, to, to go against the Lord and for us to, to um, as it were, uh, to yield to his temptations. And, and then we begin to feel bad about ourselves, you know? Because, oh man, you know, I just did something that I, I shouldn't do. I offended the Lord. And that's where he wants to keep us. He's a liar, church. He's a lie. He knows he doesn't possess you. If you belong to Christ, he, he does not possess you. No, he doesn't. He doesn't own you. He has lost ownership of you. Don't let him take it back. You've got to protect yourself. You've got to walk in the integrity and the uprightness of who you are now in Christ. That new creation motive has to become a part ingrained in you. You are no longer his. You've been bought with a price as with the precious blood of a lamb, Christ Jesus. Not, and not just that. He has made you a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new, they are a new creation. All things, all things have passed away. And everything has become new. You are new brand. You are a new man. You are a new woman. You are a new person. You don't belong to Satan. Don't let him take authority over you. No, you speak. That, do you know Jesus didn't have to be tempted? 
He didn't have to be tempted. But what Jesus did was he did it so that we would know how to deal with the enemy. That's why he says, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus told him when Satan says, oh, you're hungry. Go get something to eat. You can, you can turn stones into bread. Jesus says, no, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's a testimony for us. You can tell him that. You can tell the devil that. You don't have to eat fast food. You don't have to eat McDonald's. You don't have to eat Wendy's or Burger King. If you know that it's going to affect your health. You can say no. You can say no, I'm not going to eat that today. You can make a choice. I'm trying to make some choices. Praise God. I'm trying to get rid of some furniture around here. You know, it's not easy. Praise God. But, you know, that's what we're called to. We're called to be raised in Christ. We're called to be new creation. We're called to be strong in the Lord. Amen. Listen, that's the word of God. Be strong. Listen, Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. That's a military term too, right? That's armor. And what are they? Helmet of salvation. Shield of faith. Breastplate of righteousness. The word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. We got to be armed. We got to be dangerous people. Not to people outside, but to the kingdom of the devil. We, have, we must, when Satan sees you, he must see clear and present danger. Because you're dangerous. You know, because with this, you are, this is the sword of the spirit. As a matter of fact, the Bible says about it, it's the word of God. It cuts. Do you know what? It's like, an, it, it, it's like a, 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 a doctor's scalpel. It cuts us, but it can cut Satan's kingdom too. You can turn him away. By the word of God, Ephesians 4, 16, the word of God, it is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, if you're a believer who loves the Lord, that's going to happen to you too. You're going to want the word of God to shh, oh, to cut you and to, and, to, and to cut out all the things that shouldn't be there so that you are pure and holy and truly God's people, right? And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. So, he says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ and God. We died, church. We're not our own. We died. See, when Jesus died, if you are a believer, what happened is that when Jesus went to the cross, you went too. Yeah. Physically, you weren't there. But in God's eyes, you were already there. When he died, guess what happened? You died too. And when you died, guess what died with, with, with him? You died with him, so your sinful life, that sin person, that sinful nature also died. And it didn't stop there. He says when Jesus was raised from the dead, guess what happened? God raised you with him to newness of life. So what died? That old person. So the problem today with us church is that a lot of times we go back and take up that old person, that old nature. We forget who we are. And the apostle is reminding us that we have been buried and now we have been raised up. Don't go backward and pick up the old you. No, live like you're new, a new creation. Live like God has forgiven you of your sin. He has delivered you from that old habit. Do you understand, church? You died and he has raised you. He has resurrected you. That's what has happened. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 6, that the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, which is the Holy Spirit's power, has raised you too. Is at work in us. 
And if that power is at work in us, then we can live victoriously over sin. We can take authority in our lives over the demons and the devils that Satan sends our way. We can live a victorious Christian life. The question though is, are you? And I got to ask myself that same question. Am I? Or am I just, you know, one foot in the kingdom of God today and tomorrow when nobody sees me, I'm out of your purview, you can't see me, then one foot in Satan's kingdom. I go back to doing the things that I, my flesh wants. We gotta, we, we, we've got to make a decision. It's going to be all for Christ or none for Christ. That's the way it is. God doesn't give us an option. You see, we, we like to say we've got the Holy Spirit. And we say it all the time because it's nice to say that in church. You know, and that the church, we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and, and, and we want to see miracles and great signs and everything. Like, and, and we want to see, you know, uh, uh, the dead raised and we want to see stuff. That's, that's really good. That, that's, that's something that we should hope would happen. But, but I tell you this, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not going to happen in unholiness. We've got to have a holy life. We've got to be walking in holiness and righteousness for the Holy Spirit. That's who he is. He comes not just to be power, be dunamis, dynamite power, to do the things that we want. No. He comes first to help us to live holy and godly. That's what the Bible says. So live a holy and godly life in this blessed age. That's who he is. And so notice verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. This is hard. I mean, we, we, in all honesty, we, we don't want a passage like this to show up because it shows us up a lot of times. So we prefer to pass that and go to something that says, oh, God is good. He's going to bless me. He's going to, goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we want the good things of God, right? But we don't want the hard things of God. Church, we can't have it both ways. We need the hard things of God because they're what peer away the, the sinful nature, peer away the world from us so that the good things of God can penetrate and can show themselves. So that we can live in victory. We can walk in victory. We can please the one who loved us and gave himself for us. So he says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality. Church, we're living in a cesspool, right? It's true. We're living in a cesspool where even many believers are caught off guard with this. And are living in it in the filth of sin. And are unwilling to say, God, deliver me. I'm telling you, church, there are people playing hide-and-seek with God. They are. And if you're here and, and, and this is applicable to you, to your life, listen, you don't have to stay there. No, this is why we have the Holy Spirit. When he comes and convicts us of sin, then we need to repent. We need to confess it. For the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins... He, God Almighty, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we don't have to stay there. We don't have to give place to the devil. We don't have to do it. That's what the Apostle Peter says. We don't have to give place to him. We don't have to do it. No. 
So put to death these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, anything that's impure, church. Anything that's lustful or evil. Desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, he says, the wrath of God is coming. He says, you used to walk in these things. But now you don't anymore, right? But he says, but you must also rid yourself of these other things. Those are some of the deep things. But there are some other things that we tend to allow daily because we think that they're just, they're not important. You know, they're not going to bother God. You know, I, I can, these are things that other people are doing it. So why can't I? You know, so here's some of them. Here's a list. He says such things as anger. He says, well, the Bible says we can be angry, but we shouldn't do what? Sin not. And then we shouldn't let what? The sun go down on our wrath, right? So you can have righteous indignation. That's what I like to call it. You know, I like to make it, that's what it is. When I get angry, righteous indignation. <laughs> you know, so, all right. So now next, malice. Oh, gee, how many of us malice people? Lord, help us. Somebody says something to you or just look at you funny and uh, all of a sudden you take that the wrong way and the next thing you know, you're not talking to them. You know, you're just going with an attitude. You give them the eye, you know, like all the ladies do. <laughs> you know that thing? Gee, slander. How many of us slander people behind their backs? We talk about them. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? We talk about them, you know? You know, it's, it's, it's not a good thing, right? And the Lord, it, it displeases him. So we shouldn't do it. Language, filthy language. Oh, boy. Lord. Mm. Mm. How many of us have that habit of saying things out of our mouth, out of the same mouth that we come in Sunday mornings and we hallelujah, we praise you, Lord. We give you glory and honor. Oh, you are so wonderful. You're awesome and mighty. We exalt your name. We declare that you are good. You are Lord of heaven, Lord of earth, Lord of all who live, Lord of all the universe. All praise to you. I give hallelujah, glory. Mm, mm, mm. And you know, that's it, right? But during the week, all kind of other words are coming out of our mouths. You know what Jesus says about that? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, church. That means that if it's in your heart, it's going to come out through your lips. But it shouldn't because you shouldn't have, we shouldn't have holiness and unrighteousness in the same vessel. We shouldn't be. We can't be. It's either or either, right? We should be holy. And so look, if you've got a language problem, no problem. Jesus is able. God is able to clean up that language problem. Amen. Amen. So that, so that you, it, doesn't, it doesn't possess you. It doesn't control you. Because you see, that's what the enemy wants to do. All of these things are there designed to control us and to suppress the power of God in us. And so no wonder in the church we sometimes don't see the work of the Holy Spirit. We get the teaching of the Holy Spirit, and we know there are people who have the Holy Spirit, and we can see the manifestation in them and in the way they live. And sometimes we look around, but we don't see the evidence all across the board. Well, we don't see it because some of us are not willing to allow God to do his work in us. We want the blessing of heaven. See, we want the blessing of, of heaven. And we, 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 we love the word, set your affections on things above. 
We, we, we say it. But we don't want to do what it takes to obtain it. Come on, church. We, we, we have to be careful. Can't have it both ways. We can't have it God's righteous way and the world's unrighteous way. The Bible says in, Colossians, in, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's Jesus. It teaches us through the Holy Spirit to say no to ungodliness and worldly pleasures. It teaches us to say no. What is one of the first words our kids learn to say, especially when they hit two years old? What do they say? Everything is a no. No. Well, guess what? God's grace also teaches us to say no. You cannot, therefore, say, I, I, I'm just, Lord, I can't do it. You know, I just don't have the strength, you know. Guess what? If Jesus really showed up today and he says, Ray, I know. I've been watching you. I know your thoughts. I know what you've done. You've entertained thoughts that you shouldn't. You've been watching things on the TV that you shouldn't. You've been talking to people that you shouldn't. You've been sending notes on social media that you shouldn't. And what am I going to say? Lord, you know, elder brother Jesus, this is Ray you're talking to. You, you know, you understand. I, I, I'm, I'm bored. I, I got to do something. I have to have something to do. You know, social media gives me an, uh, an open, open door where I can, I can express my views. But Jesus says, well, you're expressing the wrong things up there. They're not pleasing to me. But Lord, you got people up there. Some of them are, are putting things that are true. Some of them are making things up as they go along. You, you know, I got to do something, you know. Uh, and Jesus says, well, if you're going to live for me, then you have to do what I ask you to do. You can't just do what you want to do. You know? So, you know, we, we kind of make excuses for sin. Come on, church. We do it. We do it. We make excuses. We, 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 we are full of excuses. And some of, our, some of us, our, our, our words are fast. They come really fast. You know, we can, we can, we can, we can just make excuses on the fly. We're experts for ourselves. And we're doing it internally. We're internalizing it in our minds. You know? We're watching and looking at things. Uh, you know, look, some of us brothers who travel for work, I, I got to ask you, when you're in a hotel room by yourself, what are you doing? What are you doing in that hotel room? What are you looking at? What, what are you reading? What are you watching? Oh, your wife's not there. Your kids aren't there. You know, your co-worker's probably not there, probably in another hotel room. Uh, what are you doing? So, so but, we, but we profess Christ, right? We've got to be careful. And the same is true. Ladies, when you're home by yourself, you know, you're home, you're a homemaker, you, you know, you're just uh, on the phone, you know, and everything, and, you know, you're doing all your stuff and everything. What, what are you talking about? What are you watching? What are you reading? I mean, the same is applicable to all of us here. In your spare time, guys, what are you doing with your time? What's your motivation? I ask you. What, what motivates you? Social media. I mean, oh, the cell phone. That, that is it. 
I mean, I mean, an invention that is, I mean, crazy. It's so, it's so great, right? But the problem with it a lot of times is that guess what it becomes to us? Anybody want to guess? An idol. Thank you. It becomes an idol because you know what has happened? Is that we can't put it down. We thought the remote was bad. <laughs> For guys, I mean, we thought that was bad. But this is the worst thing. Because you know what happens? Come on, church. A lot of people sleep with it on their pillow. A lot of people put it under their pillow. Listen, these phones are so smart today that my phone is here. And if I go, whoop, it just lights up. Oops, and it lights up, and it tells me four or five things that are going on inside here. I got messages, I got, I got uh, things, I got stuff. It even, it'll show me that AMC has movies that I can watch. You know, Fandango has movies. I mean, just, just, just move my hand over it. Woo! But really and truly, it possesses a lot of us. It holds a lot of our attention, our time, and it controls us. Watch out, church. A lot of times we also... Say, oh, I'm, it's the Bible app. I'm going to the Bible app on the phone. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to see what the verse is for today. Bam, 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 I'm going to win. But before I get to the app, because it's three levels down, I got 1,500 apps before that. I got to go look at that, my messages, my, I, I, my mail, you know, all that stuff. I got to tap into all that. Then all of a sudden I remember, oh, I didn't get to the Bible app yet. Oh, oh. You know, because that's it. It's a controlling factor. So, so here's a lesson, church. We have to learn how to break its power over us. You got to, church. I'm telling you. I'm telling you because in your eyes, it might just be a tool, a very fine instrument that can, that can quickly get you to the Internet, get you information. It can get you, all, get you connected and all that. But in God's eyes, yes, it's a tool. But if it possesses you, if it masters you, then you become its slave. No question. Because whatever has mastered us has made us a slave. If we become slave to this, then we are no longer belong to Christ. It doesn't matter. It's a phone. You say, well, sorry, it's, a phone. it's just a phone. But it's something that controls you. It might even be taking time away that you could spend with the Lord. Young people, I'm telling you, this is serious. I like it, but I don't let it control me. Yeah? Don't. You got to break. If, a, if it becomes a habit, it becomes habitual, it controls you, and it possesses you. And if anything at all, doesn't matter what it is, possesses you, then Christ no longer possesses you. Use it for what it is. Okay? But don't let it control you. I know this one is hard. Trust me. I'm not going to get much amen for that. But that's all right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Okay? But this is the truth. But you must also, verse 8, rid yourself of these things. Rage. How many of us get into rage? How, how many of us uh, can't even control? We're so angry and so easily agitated. You know, everything is rage. We get into rage and we can't get over it. Listen, it's, I'm not saying that uh, I'm standing here perfect before you without any of these things happening. I'm just saying, but we have to learn how to bring them to Christ and to submit them so that they no longer take authority over us. You see, church, and sometimes we have to do it more than once. We'll have to do it. Keep doing the thing. Keep surrendering it to the Lord. He'll give you victory over it. Don't let it control you. Don't let things control you. Can't be your way. 
and it can't be Christ's way at the same time. We have been raised with Christ. So set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Listen, we sometimes think, you know, that the Lord doesn't want us to enjoy life. But that's not the truth. That's what the enemy wants us to believe. That with all these things, the Bible and the holiness and the righteousness and the cleanliness and all of that that God's asking us to be, that is because within we can't have fun. No, you can't have clean fun. You can enjoy your life. The Lord doesn't put any, any tab on it to say you can't enjoy life. But you must enjoy life within the spec of his, um, uh, his word. This is what should guide us as to how we enjoy life. It's, a, it's hard. But I'm telling you, church, that if we don't do it this way, we may not make heaven. We, we think that heaven is a guarantee for us as we live. No, but Jesus says something else. No, that we need to live holy and godly. For the apostle Peter says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's hard, right? We need to be holy. We need to make sure that these things are not controlling us. Filthy language. Do not lie to each other. Oh boy. How many of us have lying lips? Just, we keep lying, everything. We just lie, lie, lie. Well, that's one of the things, church, that we need to also submit to the Lord. Because he says, you, since you have taken off your old self with his practices and put on the new self, we are not our own anymore. We cannot continue to do those things that please our flesh. Because if they displease the Lord, it's a problem. It comes, it, it's a conflict. And then when you expect the power of the Holy Spirit to work through you, there is no light coming out. And then you're wondering, you know, what happened? Why well, that person can pray for somebody and they get healed? That person can, can have uh, authority and victory. And I'm not getting victory. But a lot of times then we have to examine our hearts to see where's our heart? What is happening with our heart? Are we living in sin? Are we living uh, unholy, ungodly? Are we disobeying, living in disobedience to the word of God? If we are, and if we are practicing disobedience, then don't expect the Holy Spirit to move through you. Here's what will happen. If the Holy Spirit will convict you He'll come and he'll convict you and he'll say, you're doing that and it's wrong. You need to stop. So the question is, what happens then? Do I stop or do I continue doing the thing, the wrong thing? If I keep doing the wrong thing, then you know what's going to happen? I'm going to hear less of the Holy Spirit's voice. The closer I live to God or in obedience to his word, is the more of the Holy Spirit I will have, the more operation of the Holy Spirit that will take place in my life, the more I will hear and know the voice of God. Listen, it's true. this is true. We are living in a world that has many, many sounds. There are sounds everywhere, noise everywhere, everybody making noise. There's all kinds of music in the name of Christianity out there. There's all kinds of stuff uh, out there. Uh, how do you know which one really pleases Christ? How do you know that sound, that it resonates with a sound that's different from other sounds? How do you know? It's when we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, when we're keeping step, when we're allowing our minds to be renewed through the Word of God. 
Again, there's, no, there's going to be a struggle for us as time goes by, church. Greater struggle. Because more and more, we're finding that the word of God is becoming less and less. Not just that churches have been closed down. Then there are pastors who don't want to open up again because they find it convenient for stay, to stay closed. There's a lot of stuff happening. Then there's preaching that really does not help you because they don't really uh, love the word of God. They just do it for money or do it because it's convenient to do. So for that reason, we've got to take time to spend time in the word of God. We've got to take time to make sure that our lives, that we're growing in Christ, growing up to maturity in Christ, that we're putting on the whole armor of God. We've got to make sure that our minds are set on things above and not on things on earth. So finally, church, I want to ask you this. How are you living? Are you running your race with perseverance? Are you persevering? Are you struggling? Yes. But are you quitting, giving up? Or are you saying, no, I'm not going to quit for Christ's sake. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to be what God wants me to be, what he has called me to be. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live a righteous life. I'm going to live a life that pleases him. I choose to live a life that pleases him. I am not, as the Hebrew writer says in chapter 12, verse 1, I am going to run with perseverance this life that's marked out for me, that God has placed me in this race. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give ground to the devil. I'm not going to let him control me. I am going to please God in everything I do. And the fruits, these fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, we like, to, we like to call on that because, you know, it's nice. The fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. We love those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We love to repeat those because that's churchy. That sounds good. But I love, I tell you what, that's really good. But if verse 24 of Galatians 5 does not take place first, then those fruit are not going to bear more fruit in your life. What does verse 24 says? It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That's where we have to live, church. Whatever it is that you need to surrender to the Lord, it does Look, we all have trouble. We all have issues. Uh, we, this flesh is not saved. Let me tell you something, church. It's not saved. This flesh is not renewed. This is not what's renewed. This is going to be with us because of what happened in the garden, right? And it's always going to press at our spirits and, and at our souls so that we, 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 we don't obey the Lord. So we have to crucify it. Actually, the, the, the NIV says we've got to crucify our flesh, crucified. In other words, every day I wake up, every day as I have my devotions, I have to say, Lord, and if he's speaking to me in the, in the wee hours of the night, and, I, and he brings something up to me, which the Holy Spirit always does, always brings up something that you need to surrender to, to him. Always brings up something that is not right. And if I make a, make a point of saying, God, I hate this thing. I don't want it to control me. I give it to you. 
Give me victory over it. And if I'm doing that on a daily basis, and every time something, don't, don't just pass it off. Don't shut it out. No, confess it to the Lord. And again, as Ryan said earlier on, and if you, you're struggling, and you know a brother or sister who you can call on to say, I need help, then, then, then that's how help comes. And I, I close with this. Uh, I was in Manhattan one day, and I was uh, fasting on a Monday, and I was walking down the street, and I was walking, and I was walking past, a, I remember, a sushi place. I don't eat sushi, but it smelled so good because I was so hungry. And um, as I was walking down there, a, a minivan, uh, no, a van came up, a truck came up. And the truck was a one way up. The truck stopped. The horn blew, and it stopped. And I just thought, well, somebody's blowing. I'm hungry. I'm walking. And when it pulled up, uh, a, a young man, and he said, Ray. And I said, hey, oh, all right. Hey, man, how you doing? And he said, uh, brother. I'm not doing well. I need your help. And I said, oh, how can I help you? He, he, he said, listen, I have this urge for sex. And I have got to find somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? And I said, yeah, fool, I understand, brother. I understand. And he says, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And I lay my hands on him. And you could hear the horns blowing down there because he was blocking the road because it's a one way up. And I began to pray for him. I began to pray for him. And I prayed deliverance over him that day. Praise God. I prayed deliverance over him. And he got deliverance that day. Sunday when he saw me in church, he says, brother, he, he said, brother, listen, if I didn't see you, oh, man, I wouldn't be in, here in church today. It would have been over because I would have gone and I would have picked up a prostitute and I've done my business. But God put you there at the right time. So there I was, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. No, I was hungry for food. But God, it was the right time. And God had me there to help him. So if you need help, church, brothers and sisters are here. Right now, there's folks here who will pray for you. If you've got a struggle, listen, nobody's going to laugh at you. Nobody's going to point a finger at you, right? Because God loves you and he wants you to have victory. He wants you to, to, to heaven to be your destination. But you've got to be willing. If you're willing, he's ready and able. Can't have it both ways. It's either his way, church, or our way. And if it's our way, hell is our destination, not heaven. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.